there is no right way. There is no correct answer to any of this. I believe personally that there are no facts in art and design because it's all an interpretive opinion. Everything is wiggly. Everything is gray. That might super piss people off. <laughs> you know, I get that. But I think when, when teachers are telling you this is how it's done, I, I, I'm not saying they're not knowing what they're talking about, but I think making it as doctrine, I get very anxious about that. I, and I really am very careful to never say right or wrong, yes or no. I don't really do that. On this episode of the Design Dedux podcast, we talk with Mitch Goldstein. Mitch is an associate professor at the Rochester Institute of Technology, where he teaches in the School of Design in the College of Imaging Arts and Science. Over the past 15 years, Mitch has taught at RIT, Rhode Island School of Design, Virginia Commonwealth University, Maryland Institute College of Art, and other great institutions. He received his MFA in Design Visual Communications from Commonwealth University's School of the Arts and his BFA in Graphic Design from the Rhode Island School of Design. Listen into this episode as Mitch and I talk about creativity, design thinking, and Mitchisms. Mitch, welcome to the Design Deducts podcast. How are you? I'm great. Pete, thank you for having me. Always good to see you. Yeah, it's been uh, a couple years. It's easily. been a while. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. We uh, we've run into each other at TypeCon. We've run into each other at uh, the New Paltz Conference yep. for uh, Design Incubation. Yep, uh, and then the STA uh, Designers Weekend. STA, right? Chicago, up in Chicago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is um, awesome. Which is yeah. one of the best things I've been to, honestly. Man, they're great. they're great. Shout out to Sharon and Guy um, yep. for that work awesome, they there awesome in Chicago. Event. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, boy, was I. I don't know. I was disappointed with TypeCon being uh, postponed, a.k.a. canceled. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I, I don't think I was going to make it out to it, but but still there was a part of me that was like, oh, yeah. oh, man, even I'm missing out, even though I was going to miss out, right? Because yeah, I mean, all the... I was going to do a whole bunch of... I was on tap for four or five or six events over the next, oh, you know, wow. from like sort of like like February through next like next January and all of them have pretty much either postponed or dropped entirely. Some are sort of ambiguous right now. Um, But, you know, I mean, I I get it. I'm not sort of irritated. I mean, I'm I'm disappointed obviously, but it makes a heck of a lot of sense. It does. Yeah. I, I'm actually curious why more of these, these conferences aren't going with an online conference. So there was one that happened. What was it? Canceled? What was the name? Yeah, CancelCon from Cancel Andrew. Uh, I always pronounce his name wrong. Hawk Rattle. Yeah. Sorry, Andrew. Yeah. I'm probably butchering your name. The, um, which I'm, was I'm really good. great. Yeah. That was so awesome. And I'm, good, awesome. I'm good at butchering names too as well. Yeah. Like Mitch Mitch Goldstein. Is Goldstein. That- <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, Cancel was fantastic. Yeah. That was so cool. I think the thing is, here's the thing. And I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about this in terms of like school and classes and stuff. But like, Online and in person, it's not just you just go online. It's not a mm-hmm. one-to-one at all. It's not even like a one-to-a-number. It's like one-to-a-ferret. It's a completely different conversation. The dynamics are completely different. It's 100% different. Um, right. And so CancelCon was great because it existed purely as an online thing, and it really was, was I would almost call it more of an exhibition than a conference, which was, which was awesome and yeah. it was super fun, yeah. and it was great to see everybody. Um, but if you take like TypeCon and just try to throw it on the internet, it's not as easy as that. Ignoring the, the no. technical issues, just putting that aside, just the yeah. the the reality of the interactions are such a different world that mm. it sounds like oh yeah we'll just do it online and it's so not that easy. And and, and again, right, right. The technical stuff is actually the easiest part. It's it's just the um, the interactions, mm. how people are relating with each other. You know, the best part of conferences, yeah. I think, isn't the speakers; it's in between the speakers when you're wandering around. Oh, and that, you're so that right. doesn't exist. You're so yeah. right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you can't really do that online. Yeah, there's chat rooms, but it's obviously just not the same thing. No, no. So and it's it's logistics. Yeah. Logistics. Because oh, sure. if uh, you know, if um uh Eric Speakerman, right? Germany, almost a completely different time zone. So what's he mm-hmm. supposed to do? Stay up all night and uh <laughs> yeah. exactly. you know, join us. Exactly. But uh hey, before we get into too much of our conversation, mm-hmm. um we're wrapping up our um season on creativity design thinking. Uh, And then we're going to be moving into our next season where we're going to be talking about um, 
women of graphic design, uh, mm-hmm. some good stuff coming down the pipe for that. So before we get into it, Mitch, would you mind giving everybody a little bit of background? Like, how did you get into teaching? Like what, you know, there's, there's that moment that we all go, I think I'm going to teach a class. Yeah. Next thing you know, we're like <laughs> full time. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, for me, I kind of um, came at design really late in life. So I originally went to college for architecture at a high school when I was 18 and um, failed out of that miserably. Or as I like to say, I was in, we agreed to have me leave. That's, that's how I like to put it. We just decided it was best that I wasn't there. Yeah, sounds um, a little bit like my backstory, but I digress. I won't. Yeah, I mean, and so pretty much from like, you know, 22 to about 30, I kind of just noodled around. I sold a lot of retail, nothing really interesting mm-hmm. or useful. Um, I think I learned a lot about like the world and how like it operates on a really kind of, you know, real level of being alive. Um, I started noodling around. I did a lot of art stuff. I've always been pretty creative. And so I, I did some fine art stuff, met a few people, um, eventually started doing some design, um, eventually decided maybe it was time to go back to school because I was kind of hitting a ceiling of what I could really accomplish just talent and knowledge wise. I just wasn't getting past this, what I thought it was a very low bar of work. Um, yeah. and so I ended up applying to a couple schools, ended up getting into RISD, which was just unreal that that happened. Um, and went there. And while I was at RISD, I kind of, um, was in my like summer foundation for people who have like transfer credits, you do like a summer. And um, uh, this guy who was teaching drawing, this guy, Mark Milhoff, who's just a brilliant artist, still teaches at RISD. Um, I kind of jokingly said to him, hey, if you ever need a teaching assistant, ha ha ha. And he's like, you can TA. And I said, Mark, I'm, I'm like some idiot under, like, I don't know what I'm <laughs> Yeah. He's like, no, no, you're good. Cause you know, I was like th- in my early thirties, I was, you know, getting some confidence as kind of a human and stuff. And so I was his TA for, for what, what, for basically 2D, RISD calls it something weird because of course it's RISD. Um, and it was awesome. And, and I didn't know what I was doing, but just sort of being in the class from like the other side of the class, but you're still collaborating. You're still really a student in the class. Even if you're a teacher, I think if you're a good teacher, you're still really a student in the class. Yes. And I was like, this is cool. Like you could, this is a job, like this is a job, like you could do this for, for a lifetime. Yeah. And, and make enough money, not great money, but be, be, be adequately paid. Right. That's a whole um, other season conversation. Yeah, it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, and, and I, you know, and I was a teaching assistant, which again is not even, it's, it's like 2% of teaching. It's, it's bare. You're not a teacher. You're just in the room. But I was like, this is cool. And I really like this and it's interesting and it's like stimulating. And I kind of know just enough to try to help some people, but I don't know enough to be, to still be engaged in it. You know, it wasn't boring and it just kind of rolled into me being a TA. Like every single semester I was at RISD, um, sometimes for more than one class. Um, I ended up getting to teach a section my senior year at RISD. I got to teach an actual, I actually got a section of class. Um, um, anybody who wants to know is Doug Scott. He teaches graphic design history and he would have usually grad students do breakout sections and do little projects with the students in the history class. And that has always been sort of a coveted grad, you know, grad student thing to get to do with Doug. Okay. And he asked me to do it. And I was like, are you sure? He's like, you're absolutely ready to go. And I'm sure it was awful. And I'm sure I screwed up. <laughs> but but it was really yeah. like, this is cool. Like, I really like this. Um, I still like making stuff. I still like being creative. I still like all the other stuff. But like the teaching as a sort of, I, I, I sort of look at Everything I do is creative practice. I don't really categorize or separate. It's all creative practice. And I really think of teaching as creative practice. I think it's a piece of my practice that intersects with the other pieces. Mm-hmm. But having a what in the world of sort of contemporary society is, is a very stable job. Um, I, I'm very lucky to have gotten tenure last year. So so now I have what is arguably the most stable job on earth. Yeah. Congratulations. Much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And um so understanding even back then that that was an option, you know, that that could happen down the road. And again, you know, it pays adequately. It's fine. I'm very happy with how much right. I'm, um, I'm getting compensated. I was like, this is awesome. Like, what an amazing thing to do with your life. Like, what an incredible opportunity to sort of be independent, but then you're sort of in a school and then you sort of have control of the class, but then you sort of don't have control. And then these students are, they're the students, but then you're sort of the student. It's just this, this oh, like sure. mosh pit of interestingness. And, yeah. and I was like, this is, this is amazing. Like, like this is it. Yeah. And I wandered I, around life for a long time, but I eventually was like, this is where I need to be. Yeah. And, and I, I love am, how you explain it's it. It's amazing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and I would agree too. I just I know your energy and your passion uh, in your character, and it's a it's a it's a perfect mix. Uh, some you might call it a storm, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's a perfect it's a perfect mix. And I know what you mean completely by you know I feel that I'm always the student as well. You know, oh, yeah. they're they're always bringing these really great concepts, ideas, questions, mm-hmm. uh, and always keeping us yeah. on our toes. And for sure, that's when it's good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so you also do design work with your wife. Uh, ex-wife yes. now, actually we've split up um we are still collaborating together and so what we okay. do is we actually haven't done stuff together in a while i mean we're still friends we're still we're still best friends and everything but it's we <laughs> used to do sort of a lot of book cover work that's kind of how we got known i guess in the in the yeah, sort of design yeah, world yeah um and we ended up doing a ton of book cover work which originally was her grad thesis was kind of about book covers and language and materials and things like that. Okay. Um, which we, again, we went to grad school together. So we really were, I mean, we were different, but we were kind of together in the projects. Yeah. Um, and so we ended up doing a lot of book cover work that we did a lot of bread and butter work that frankly, you'll never see and we will never show because it paid <laughs> really nicely and it was sure. competent graphic design that wasn't insanely interesting um, but we really discovered that the book cover represented a cool, interesting place to sort of be creative within some constraints. And so for yes. us, that was a great spot. It was, it was, you know, a saleable object. that wasn't like making a painting or something like that, where who knows if it'll make money. Um, it also wasn't making like a tax return, which is purely about pragmatics and, and not yeah. about expression. So it sat in this really cool spot where we could be interesting, we could have fun, but there was still some limits. There was still some, you know, some sort of collaboration with the the, the art director and the author occasionally. And so that was a mm-hmm. great thing for us to do as collaborators. Yeah. It was really yeah. good. Um, and it really fed the business. And we ran that for quite a while. Um, as I started doing more full-time teaching, um, she also started to diverge and do other stuff that was not totally related to design. Um, and so we still collaborate and we still have sort of a creative like link with each other, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of doing my thing. She's sort of doing more like ceramics now and, and stuff oh, like that, great. which I think yeah. is amazing, but I just don't know yeah. anything about it. Um, yeah. but ultimately we're each other's best critic. So, so the collaboration will go on for the rest of our lives. Like I'm well, not worried about that at all. Well, some of those, uh, results from that collaboration, yeah. I'm, I actually do a, a project in, um, my graphics class where we do a book cover mm-hmm. and I do a book cover, not because it's traditional. Like everyone does a poster, everyone right. does a CD <laughs> cover, but I do that because I want to talk about materials. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, I find some of the examples that I show the students that are examples that you guys have done oh, about, about the process, right? right? The computer wasn't turned on. You didn't start like, trying to draw something in Illustrator or try to make a mosh pit of images in Photoshop. Yeah. You went through a creative process to come up with a concept and you actually had to use materials and not the digital world for Mm -hmm. the most part to make those. So I work with the students and I'm like, you have to come up with a concept and you have to create this cover analog. And then after you have the analog, then we'll digitize then we'll yeah. see if there's opportunity to to tweak it. Um, so there's a creative process, which is something that I've been talking with a lot of people over this last ep- uh, last season, is creativity, right? right? Creativity, and then I throw this and or design thinking. Mm-hmm. Thoughts thoughts on those two because I don't want to feed too much into right. into um, your response. <laughs> So, you know, I'm a guy with some opinions. I've been known to have <laughs> thoughts. Um, and so I'm sure some people are going to get super irritated at this. I think that D, capital D, capital T design thinking, you know, IDO, Frog, whoever it was that made that like the formal, it's, it is a framework of possible ways to approach making things. Mm-hmm. What it is not yeah. is the law. It is not a rule. It is not the only way. I personally think it's a way I find intensely uninteresting and could not give any shits about it all. But that's just me. And I'm one dude, mm-hmm. one guy, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm very, very hesitant to ever tell anybody something is wrong. It's yeah. wrong for me. So, I keep trying, yeah. I keep trying to keep my mind open to it and I keep trying to find where it 
where it fits, where it interjects. Right. And but for I'm me, still I don't do work trying. like that. Yeah. But the thing yeah. is, again, and that depends on what you're doing, right? If I yeah. was working on, on, you know, big, um, whatever user interface projects for, for, you know, a thousand different kinds of people to work, then design thinking would make a lot of sense. Right. If I was designing, you know, products as an in industrial design products, not as in web stuff, but, you know, physical objects that, that, how to cater to a lot of different kinds of people to use or a certain specific kind of person to use. I think that design thinking is quite valid and quite relevant. I do nothing like that at all. None of my work is like that. None of my work cares about that. So my concern is not in that place. And so I'm not, I mean, and again, I'm not dissing it from anyone else. I'm dissing it for myself. It's just, I could care less about it personally. And that's the thing that I'm learning about, over the years, my travels as a designer is, you know, you're allowed to disagree and like not think something is relevant to you, but it doesn't mean it isn't relevant. It doesn't mean it doesn't help someone somewhere. And so what I'm finally learning over the years is to like be very upfront if I don't care about something, but not dismiss it for other people. So when you say, what do I think about design thinking? What I think is it means nothing, but I'm just one dude. So like the, everybody else on the planet could think it's great. Um, and so if you want to talk to me about design thinking and interviews over, right. Cause like, I have yeah. nothing to say about it, you know? Um, yeah. but creativity, I have a ton of stuff to say, obviously. Well, there's, um, there's yeah. a strategic reason between putting those two together yeah. and seeing what the responses are. And that's why I don't give it an, and cre- cre- yeah. creativity and design thinking or creativity right. or design thinking. Everyone, yeah. everyone works with those two to get, you know, in their own way. I mean, I think for me, over the over the, the the time I've been doing this, I think for me, what it, I, I feel like everybody has what I call a concern. Like as a creative practitioner, as a person who makes things, you can make art, you can make design, you can make words, you can make movies, you can make food. I, I don't care what it is. If you make something that didn't previously exist through any different method, you have a concern. Maybe you have more than one, but you have sort of a primary concern, and the concern is the thing that you most care about from zero to end. What in that thing is your concern? For me, the concern is sort of unpredictable process. That's the Mm. thing about everything I do that is the most interesting to me personally. So. I yeah, could see that. I can. No, I can. Yeah. I can see that. I think back to even your uh, photograms. Yep. You yep. know, all the way to the furniture design you're working on yeah. now. And it's quick all plug, in there. those that don't know, follow Mitch on Instagram. You'll see uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, M Goldst, M G O L D S T. My there fragile male ego desperately wants you to follow me. On social. <laughs> um, and so I think that, and I think, you know, and again, it's like I didn't get that on day one. I didn't really even get it on like year five, but eventually I realized that is the concern for me. And so, Part of what the many things I love about teaching is I teach that concern in every project I do, regardless of the class. And what I have learned to do to sleep at night is understand that students have more than me as a teacher, <laughs> because if it was the <laughs> Mitch Goldstein School of Design, nobody would ever have a job and it would be horrible. Um, I keep telling students, the only yeah. class you're in is mine, right? Yeah, so get exactly. Work. Yeah. Clearly, right? Um, <laughs> and so what I have figured out, again, took a long time to figure out is that I can teach to that concern and the students can take it or leave it. What I've learned is that they always get something, even if they despised my class. And I'm totally fine with students hating my class. That's, that's that is, for uh, me. I'll give you a hurrah. hurrah. Yeah. They're going to yeah. get something. What they could get is what they now know they don't like. That's fair. I think that's, that's legit. Like they know they yeah. don't want to do this weird processy thing that Mitch does. And that's totally fine. That's great. I'm happy with that too. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where my head is. So when you talk to me about art and design and making stuff, it's all in that concern of sort of unpredictable process. It's just sort of the thing that gets me excited. Yeah. And is again, that, the thing that I give my students to. Is is that the definition or the Mitch Goldstein definition of creativity? <sighs> no. All right. Um, talk to me then a little bit about where process and creativity meet. I, I, see, here's the thing. <laughs> this is where it gets complicated because you're asking me to verbalize something that isn't verbal. You're asking I me sure, to sort of, I sure am. You're, right. You know, to see, put words on, on to something me. that isn't words. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're definitely uh, on to me here, Mitch. You're not the first one who's done that. <laughs> um, I think that like, 
and again, anybody who's heard me talk, the art design difference, I just don't care. I'm not saying they're not different. I just choose to not give a crap about that. So let's put that little clarification aside. We'll just say yeah. making of stuff, right? Um, there are so many different ways to be a practitioner that you can't argue to me that Michael Beirut and Pentagram making a multi-million dollar rebrand is fundamentally different than a kid with a copy of word art making like a flyer for grandma's yard sale. They are so you're, both you're, graphic design. You're saying they're not different, right? I'm saying they're, they're both graphic clarifying. design. They're both graphic yeah, design. They're both graphic they're design. Different, but they're both they're, graphic they're, design. They're different in scale and scope. Sure. I think you could argue they're different in intent. But the difference is less about the outcome. Obviously, one is millions of dollars and one is 10 cents. The difference is the approach the person making it Again, the concern, what they're interested in, right? And, you know, Michael is an amazing designer and a brilliant guy and, and, and has become a friend and he's a wonderful person. And, and I think he would talk to sort of the needs of the client, what they're looking for with the work to sort of do, um, how it scales across a large organization, things like that. I think the kid making a flyer for grandma would say, I want grandma to sell as much stuff in this yard sale as possible. Yeah. Those are both the same conversation. I think those are equally sort of a client kind of designer conversation. Um, and so to like clarify what creativity is, it's like impossible to clarify. And it's yeah. like, what are you getting by clarifying it? What I have figured out is yeah. I don't want to clarify it. I don't want to know what it is. I don't want to verbalize it. I don't want to say this sentence is all you need to know. Like you're done, Excellent. you know, memorize the sentence. Yeah. I I think I think what happens when you start to do that is you start to impede upon or tread into the process of how things naturally kind right. of come about. Mm -hmm. So you take something that's supposed to be maybe instinctual, maybe by happenstance, maybe by yeah. sleeping, whatever, you know, everyone has their own processes to right. go through, right? And you start to mechanize that. And if you're mechanizing it, I think that dil dilutes creativity, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It can. I'm yeah. making this up on the, on the fly here, Mitch, but it right. sounded well, good. <laughs> it sounded cool. I mean, I, it's sort of like, it's like, what's the question? Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying you, I mean, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. people like, is the question, how do I make awesome stuff? I think that's a legit question. Is the question, um, what is being a designer or an artist look like in like 30 years when I'm out there trying to make a living and feed my kids? You know, that's a legit yeah. question. There's like all these legit questions. Um, and I think there's sort of two answers. There's like the internal answer and the external answer. So there's the answer that the, the, in terms of design, the client understands from what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where a term, like I make graphic design becomes sort of a legitimate sentence to some extent, although I think graphic design has lost all meaning. That's another podcast. Um, but then there's the internal question, right? And the internal question for me is, what if I take jello and a mirror and a camera and screw around for four hours? Yes. That's yeah. my question, right? Yeah. If I said that to a client, oh, you want me to do this logo? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a mirror and jello and a camera and I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> They're going to be like, you're fired. Yeah. Like, no, you're yeah, not doing yeah, exactly. that. Yeah, right? exactly. And I love that you said that because that's yeah. kind of the wacky stuff that I propose to students. And I'm like, why yeah, not? Yeah. Just, just, oh, yeah, well, that's, who that's knows? not me being exaggerating. I mean, that is something yeah. we have noodled around with in the past. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. And so, again, like, like where I'm circling with this, right? What I'm, the point yeah. I'm making is that. In my opinion, language gets in the way, in, in my opinion. And that could be because I'm not a very good linguistic person. You know, that might, might be my own sort of intellectual shortcomings. But I find when I try to sort of assign words and categories and classifications and labels to things, it doesn't help. It hurts me personally. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm not speaking as a client. I'm not speaking in terms of commerce. I'm not speaking in terms of selling my services to another person. So people who say design is a job are absolutely correct. It absolutely can be a job. People who say design is a calling are absolutely correct. It absolutely can be a calling. It can be anything, which is yeah. what is both awesome and super irritating about <laughs> it as sort of an entity. I agree. You know, yeah. It's great and it pisses me off all the time. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to circle back here after one yeah. statement. And I would say that you can see that across different students where um, – 
some need that clarification. They need those details. Others want to be free. And and I mix my assignments up intentionally right. to kind of give each student that mix of like what works best for me so that they can start learning their process mm-hmm. and start start realizing, oh, I need details where another person exactly. is like, don't tell me anything. I'll figure exactly. this out. Okay. Exactly. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to back you into that corner of the room okay. that you're sitting Here we in. Go. Okay. All right. All right. So All right, very nice. Okay. okay. Excellent. All right. Ready? Um, yeah. We even picked up the audio of the knuckle crack. That was yeah, awesome. Did you get that? Yeah. Um, okay. So I talked about mechanizing. You've talked about putting language to it. Are you, are, are we saying, are you saying is that design thinking? I think it's thinking about design. Oh, oh, so Ooh, see what I you did there. <laughs> drop the mic, right? Yeah, right. Again, um, it, it, it's important to understand the context, right? If you talk about capital D, capital T design thinking, that is a sort of, I don't know if it's patented exactly, but it's a sort of, yeah. you know, copyrighted creative process by a specific group of people. Um, something I have no interest in. Right. If and see, that's where I'm going. Design, it's a, you know, yeah. like you're saying, it's a documented process. Right. So it's almost going back to the conversation we just left of, you know, once you start trying to define creativity, you start putting in the, putting it in. Yeah, I see where you're going. Yeah. I'm picking it up. Um, and and to be honest, this is the first time that I've I've kind of started looking at that link just in our conversation. So, I mean, again, I could I don't think it's fair to call it design thinking because that's a different thing. But mm-hmm. I think that sure. you, as a creative person and a person who makes things, I think you constantly define a process. I think you constantly, you know, consider and act on methodology. You consider and act on tools and materials. You know, you consider and act on actions and and, and methods. And I think if you wrote it down, then that's your version of, again, design thinking is not the term, but, you know, thinking uh, methodological creativity or whatever. There you go. Um, Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's, it's a really interesting question because it's kind of like, the, the question is sort of what counts does what count is the thing that the client is paying for mm-hmm. the outcome, the object, the sort of deliverable thing. Is that what counts? Um, generally it's considered bad practice to give a client like your working files, right? Like your working InDesign file, your working Photoshop layers because they're not paying for that. They're paying for the end. Right. Right. So you could argue that everything leading to the end, the, the 99.9% of the project you own as the creative person and the client owns the end 0.01%, which is the final object. Right. And I think that's a legitimate way to think about it. Um, again, it kind of depends on where your concern is. If I want to feed yeah. my kids, perhaps the process isn't as important as the final thing. Cause that's when I get paid. That is, more than legitimate. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazingly legitimate. It's completely legit. Yeah. Um, you have to approach each one of those yeah. clients, each one of those projects as a, as a fresh entity, a fresh exactly. way to think about the method and the process. Sure. And that's why for me, as I've moved on, I, I am, I frankly question whether I'm really a designer anymore. Again, if that word mm-hmm. even means anything, which it sort of really doesn't, but my concern is not what most of the other people getting BFAs in design are concerned with. Um, Mm. And that comes from a place of age. That comes from a place of some experience. That comes from quite a bit of privilege, Um, you know, sort of financial like resources I've had that a lot of people don't have. I think tenure is an absurd privilege, which I will (laughs) take and want and I'm thankful for, but it's an, it's absurd privilege. Yeah. Um, not everybody has those opportunities. And, and I think it's really right. important to recognize that. And it's really yeah. important to be like, you know, I didn't do it by myself at all. I had right. a lot of yeah. help. I had a lot of support. I was very, very lucky. I worked my ass off, mm-hmm. but inside of that, I was very, very, very fortunate. Um, right, right. And honestly, I think to like, I think to either pretend that that luck didn't exist or to not act on how lucky I am by doing more is like kind of insulting to people who don't have that privilege. And that's why I got tenure. And the first thing I did was start another master's degree, yeah, which most people yeah. think is like the idiot. I'm the stupidest thing <laughs> in the world, but I'm like, why wouldn't I take advantage of this reality? Yeah. Now? Yeah. I seen you're working on your MFA in furniture yeah. design. I was like, so I'm wow, getting a furniture that's... MFA because 
I'm interested and I think it's if I can learn more about making work, if I can learn more disciplines, if I can be a student again, like like really yeah. a student, like getting graded student, yeah. that's actually been really useful. Right. Um, uh, advancing your methodology and your process yeah. in, in, that new, new in that new realm. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's amazing. It's incredible. And I got to tell you, um, I am not good at it <laughs> at all yet. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think some I, of the stuff you're producing is yeah. interesting. Exactly. It's interesting. <laughs> interesting. I wouldn't yeah. say it's good. I would say it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm um, not going to say it's bad. Yeah, that, that's it's, for it's, sure. I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I, a, I have um, this intrigue and interest in it. It's like, but a, I've never seen that right. before. Yeah, I made a coffee yeah. table. And and again, this becomes kind of the, the function, you know, the usefulness conversation. And, and part of the coffee table was it had a stand and you could put a mug or whatever on it. And so I made this thing. It takes like, first of all, furniture takes forever. It took me 10 weeks to make this thing, 12 weeks to make this thing. Um, and it looks cool. And if you put something on it, it wants to fall over. So <laughs> not the best coffee table. So, you I know, we actually, had it out. Uh, I'm and, sorry, I'm and, laughing. And, I was actually wondering yeah. about the engineering. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's it's a horrible coffee table. Um, we had <laughs> one of those big ass candles, you know, those mega candles and we put it on and it was kind of like, oh, oh. and I'm like, okay, so this isn't a coffee table. It's a sculptural object that references a coffee table because art school, right? Because hey, you can hashtag art. art school. That's fine, fine art. art. It works. Um, and so again, oh, those funny. are my concerns, right? If I yeah. had to feed my family with this coffee table, I would be screwed. And so I <laughs> right. think that acknowledging that, recognizing that, um, not making blanket statements about what is and is not good or bad design, it's just mm -hmm. in, those things are inherently bullshit. It's, it's, it can't not be bullshit. Um, you know what? And this so I think is, you got to realize that. Yeah. And this is a good opportunity for me to ask you a um, little background, podcast background. Every mm -hmm. season I do eight episodes. This season I've had five. This conversation we're having is six. Yep. It's way past the end of what I term as the season because they're broken up academically. So the spring season is is over. But yet yep. I want to conclude that season so I, uh, I'm so thankful uh, you, you're willing to join me. I've only been talking to you for about six months about it. Yeah, we've only been planning it, this forever. Yeah, but, and it's me <laughs> dropping the ball in <laughs> the pandemic. Uh, we got to oh, yeah. go there. Let's let's. Uh, that's what yeah. stopped me in my tracks. Um. So where does where does what we're experiencing now? It it crushed my creativity. It crushed oh, yeah. it crushed my process. I was done. Everything. I was done. Yeah. 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 Um, I, we stopped classes, basically spring break. Like, like the last class we had in person was mm -hmm. right before spring break, which is like second week of March, first week of March. I forget quite yeah, where it we were sits. About this March second, second or third week as well. Yeah. yeah. I think like second or third week of March. Um, and so the last thing I did was like stack some of my wood up on my workbench, you know, and stickered it and made sure it wouldn't flex or anything. And I haven't been back in four months or whatever it is. Mm, yeah. Uh, so my creativity was zero, not lowered, not limited, none, like, like negative creativity. Um, and so how it affected me is I didn't die. I have a job. I'm very yeah. fortunate. I'm very lucky. Right. I was able to teach online. I can feed myself. Nobody I know personally got sick or, or passed away. So how it affected me is almost none other than some like internal anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. um, how it affected the world is far more important than me, you know, clearly, yeah. right? But if right. you're asking me how I dealt with it, badly, <laughs> like very badly. Um, Same here. I Same. did awful. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, you know, we moved all the students online and, and I think the students are really smart and they really understand how sort of absurd that, that process was. Um, a lot of people I see complaining about sort of online classes like it takes years to develop a class online right? or, or many, many semesters. We did it in a oh, week. Oh, for sure. And, it, and it, it was a hot night. Tuned. Yeah. Not perfected. Absolutely. Tuned. Just yeah. even like in the neighborhood of being reasonable. Right. Um, so something that I decided very early on in this whole pandemic and something that I, I don't know, I guess it's just in my nature as a person was to sort of put the bullshit away not act like everything was awesome and this is great and how cool it is, but to be like, this sucks. I think I'm screwing this up every five seconds. I don't think my classes yes. are going well. I don't know what you all think students of mine, but I think this is, this is a hot mess. Mm -hmm. um, 
and like, you don't have to do this well. I sent a message flat out, like, like my expectations are that you quote, finish the class, not right. finish it well, not be amazing. Um, some students did amazing, great stuff. Some students barely got by and I have an equal amount of respect for both of those people. I in no way hold that against the student who could, who couldn't handle yeah. it. Cause quite One, frankly, 100%, I couldn't handle it. 100%, yeah, I couldn't handle yeah. it. And so it was a nightmare, man. I mean, and, and again, I've heard, you know, I know a lot of faculty and I think most people agreed that there were maybe like spots that were kind of cool. And there were some things I might go forward with, but, but I, I think 90%, 95% of my classes were a complete, just, just a nightmare. Um, yeah. And honestly, the worst part for real is, you know, at, when you teach, you have a, every, there's a class that graduates every year, you know, the seniors as a group oh, sure. of students. Yeah. Yep. And I really do like most of my students. This group of seniors was no joke, my favorite group of seniors I've ever had. And I was like yeah. literally in tears for, oh, for a little bit there that I couldn't see them graduate. Because one of the things that I really love about RIT is when students graduate, before, as each school, like the School of Design, as all the students from School of Design come up, all the faculty line up and basically get to give them a hug and a handshake one last time. Yeah. And it's really touching and it, it's meaningful. And we didn't get to do that. And, right. and I was really upset, like, like genuinely upset about that. Like, I really miss those guys. Um, they were such a great group of students. You know, not everyone, but, but overall, they were awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that sucks, you know, and, and it yeah. sucks that they finished college in like a Slack chat. Like that's their <laughs> college ended in like, right. Convert, in like right. a chat room. And, and there's some of our seniors that I never even have been able to say a word to. You know, the last time I, I had interaction with them was like, Hey, what's up in passing, yeah. you know, or, or some it's casual awful. statement like that. And now it's like, mm -hmm. I wonder where they are. You know, there yeah. was never that, that we'll see you. It's a weird thing teaching and how connected to the, to the students oh, yeah. we become and, and how much they mean to us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, I think that the disconnect is huge between in-person and online. Yeah. It's yeah. such a different, completely different existence. You know? Yeah, I, I don't even know where to start with that conversation on creativity in in that experience uh, because I'm I'm still tra traumatized, yeah, exactly. you know, uh, by how to handle that. I'm even starting to think about because we're starting to get some indication of what the fall semester might look yeah, like. Same here. Um, if we if we are in the classroom, which they're saying we will be. Same but, here. Yeah. You know, I'm going. But who knows? Eh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Especially down here in Arkansas, as our as our numbers start to kind of do that wave effect, like New York had, you know, uh, mm -hmm. we're we're finally getting to that point here. Right. Um, but um, you know, if they if they, how do you social distance a a creative studio where people are collaborating? <laughs> how do you no how do you so, social distance a, a computer lab? So yeah, there's yeah. some of the things they talked about about like half the class comes in at one time, the other half the class comes in the second time. So then all of a sudden I'm like, so we're teaching twice the amount. I'm like, yeah. man, I'm burned out on a regular day. Exactly. You know, at the end of the day, you're just like, whew, you know, cause you give it, you give it your all. Yeah. You give you it hundred percent. Yeah. So, I, we're having the same conversations and there's a lot of debate about what is safe, what is not safe, what is, what is too risky, what is acceptably risky. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of, I, you know, I'm, I'm selfishly, I want to be on campus. I really Same. miss being yeah. on campus, just flat out. I, I don't want to teach online at all. I really, despite my internet presence, I don't Same. like Same, exactly, online. right. Um, I am not good at teaching online. I think I'm fairly good at teaching in person. So that's sort of thing number one. Thing number two is I think that these institutions, despite how much they cost to attend, which is an absurd amount of money, despite that, they run very tight budgets. Like they, it, you would oh, think these yeah. schools, everybody's driving around a Rolls Royce and it's really not like that. I don't know exactly where all the dollars go, but they run very tight budgets. So if 20 or 30% of students don't go because it's online, that puts the school in a place of, of being in very serious financial difficulty. Very, very Yeah. Serious. There's going to be some interesting you know? things This that like yeah. what programs are going to be closing. Um, yep. It's a question. I, I got some very close friends over at Buff State in Buffalo. Yeah. And, um, they've for the last decade have, have been struggling with, with numbers and whether the, the, the program stays open and they did yeah. some consolidations some moving around, uh, you know, but I think about programs like theirs that are kind of 
budget-wise kind of hanging in there on a thread and, and what this might might bring for them. Yeah. But there's also opportunity, perhaps, in this yeah. and, and what can be done. I mean, I think that's the thing, right? So I did so many things badly. I mean, so many things, just so poorly last about this past semester. But there were a couple of things that I do think had some value. And there were a couple of little moments, and I'm still sorting out what those are. But having sort of these distant meetings, you know, on Zoom, um, bringing in alumni is really easy on Zoom. You just say, hey, can you hop on Zoom? And they hop on Zoom. We did that a few times. Yeah. That's actually great. We would never do that in person. We would never say, hey, can you please come from San Francisco to hang out oh, with yeah. students for a half hour? We wouldn't do that. But on Zoom, it's like, of course, no problem. Yeah. So exactly. I feel like there is things inside of this kind of nightmare that were actually quite useful to sort of realize. Similarly, there were things that I thought would be great, which were absolutely just a total nightmare and did not work at all. Right. Um, and so can you learn from it? Unquestionably. I think if you are any sort of intelligent person, you can unquestionably learn from this. Um, how much you can learn from it is kind of up to the individual, right? I think that's kind of, right, there's some right. debate about that. So I'm like you, we're waiting on, I guess we're waiting on New York state to make sort of an official statement on educational institutions. And then we will have an official sort of policy from our school. It reads like, um, big lectures, you know, physics 101 will be online only anything that you need a facility for will be in person. So furniture, you know, things like that, mechanical engineering, stuff like that yeah. will be in person. Yeah. Um, and what they're saying now is that they're going to basically end classes before Thanksgiving, like the oh. semester ends the week before Thanksgiving, and then that, finals are entirely online. They yeah. want to avoid people traveling and coming back. And I think that's reasonable. Like, I'm that's cool with a, that. That's exactly what we're at yeah. currently as well. That's yep. smart to me. So I'm, yeah. I'm cool with that as long as I get to be in person with the students. Um, I teach a lot of freshmen, so I think that's even more important than maybe for, adequate, for average students. Mm -hmm. like, I am the yeah. first faculty in college and I'm sure, you know, it was many moons ago, but if you remember the high school college transition, it is a massive difference. I mean, it is I mean, for sure. Massive. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. Yeah. And those first year faculty that you have, you really do gravitate towards um, what that means to you for sure. Unquestionably, yeah. I think as someone who teaches a lot of freshmen, my, I think I have a responsibility regardless of who I teach. I mean, I have an enormous responsibility. I think that the freshmen, it's even more with freshmen because I am sort of a formative entity in their life. And I am going to, for better or for worse, form a lot of opinions or, or help form opinions in how they practice and how they make work and what they care yeah. about and what they don't care about. And so I am hyper attentive to that. Like I am insanely aware of that and not getting to see those students in person where they can get in the full niche is a problem. Like that's not acceptable. Like it, I, I need to be with them in the room. It's just, it's just yes, my classes yeah. are going to work on zoom. Yes. And it's scary. 100%, yeah. yes. and, and so I, I have a lot of empathy for, for anybody teaching sort of creative freshmen yeah. in any discipline. Like, I don't know how you do that online. Like, right. like I guess you could do it, yeah. but I just don't feel like it's going to be as valuable. Yeah. Not that I'm, not that I'm trying to say, you know, I must be like your, uh, your doppelganger or whatever, but I have that right. same vibe for those first year students. You know, I'm weird in class. I'm strange. Yeah. I have analogies <laughs> where they just kind of look at you like, what do you, what? Oh yeah. You oh, know, yeah. but, but that's part of, it's like, I don't know. There's, there's something that creates a, a nucleus there, a, a creates that group dynamic, you know, mm -hmm. in doing that online is a lot more difficult. Yeah, a lot, a lot more, more difficult. difficult. And again, hey, some so, people have really done it great. I'm not one of them. Yeah, I'm just yeah not good at um, it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying, and and that's what I want to talk oh, yeah. about next. Actually, <laughs> actually is is process, creativity, process, but failure. You know, and oh, yeah. and you and I talked offline before we started the podcast about we've seen a lot of failure from our students. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to pause there and let you kind of. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with failure is I think people fetishize it. I think people talk about how awesome failure is and how great it is to fail. And that is bullshit. Failing sucks. I hate failing. I don't want to fail yeah. at anything, including making toast in the morning if I make it too dark. 
Like it blows. <laughs> the issue is in order, I believe in order to make anything great, you have to make stuff that sucks. You cannot only make good work and then make great work. You okay. can make good work. You have to suck and then you can maybe rise. And I think it's just this sort of this dichotomy between good and bad. Right. Um, I think if you want to be an adequate creator an adequate designer, I think you can do adequate work your whole life. No problem. And you won't really fail and you won't really rise. You'll just kind of be there. Nothing wrong with that. A lot of people want design to be nine to five Monday through Friday and don't yeah. care about it at five Oh one. And that's again, completely legit. Right. Right. I personally, my interest is obviously a lot greater. I believe yours is as well. So I think that the failure isn't something to be excited about. It's something to appreciate. It's something to allow and learn from. That's what failure is. Failure is not something to achieve. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to achieve <laughs> right. failure. Right. Right. I want to fail and go, oh, shit. Yeah. That didn't work. Right. Maybe I did and this and then it's better. It's definitely one thing yeah. I avoid. I avoid trying to set the students up for failure. That's not the intent, right. you know, right. but the, but there are the students that are like, oh man, I failed at that. And it's like, well, that, you know, don't be one, don't be so hard on yourself. Two, right. It's like, why? Right. Ask yourself yeah. why and identify why. And there's, there's my next lead in is, um, how, how do they know it sucked? How do they know they failed? Right. Cause there, there That's are the a lot of creatives or a lot of designers that they're like, well, look what I did in and I'm not trying to be, you know, pompous or narcissistic or anything like mm -hmm. that, but it's like, eh, well, yeah, you did a thing, you, you yeah. know, so the, you've got to know, right? How, how do we know? And that's the thing about school versus creative practice versus commercial, excuse me, commercial practice. And that's why I get very, my hackles get raised whenever I hear people sort of emulating a studio or the teacher is the art director and you students are the client or the teacher's the client. Um, that drives me out of my mind because it is completely disingenuous. The context of school and the context of commercial practice are completely separated. The goals are different. The budgets are different. The resources are different. The reality is different. The expected outcome is different. They are completely different things. And this notion from professionals that school should be exactly like professional practice to get students ready is such complete and utter bullshit. I can't even verbalize it clearly enough. It drives me crazy. Um, and so your question is about failing. In commercial practice, failing is bad, generally. It's not a <laughs> yeah. good thing. No client is right. like, oh, cool, I'm glad you failed at that. No, the right. client's going to be like, what am I paying you for? That gets In you a cardboard box. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? Failing means you maybe don't eat next week, right? Yeah. In school... Failing is surrounded by a framework of learning and surrounded by a framework of critique and dialogue. And so failing inside of college is actually fantastic because you have a, a, a structure and a context to let it mean something. In commercial world, now people obviously experiment and do stuff and fail. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But the sort of the, the context of it is very, very, very different. So you're exactly right. Like, okay, you failed, but why? What did you get out of it? That's what you were learning in school. That right. is what educational institutions and academic institutions and this, this sort of critical dialogue can give you that you might not get from you and a client while looking at a PowerPoint. Like yeah. you might not have that conversation. Right. Now I have uh, – students have a reaction to this idea of collaboration and critique. Oh, yeah. Every, as soon as I say that, every <laughs> educator across the universe is like, yep. Yep. And oh, yeah. they – there's there's a technique right there's a skill to get that to to work um Very much. and i talk to students about that and i have a certain dialogue that i share with them of of collaboration and critique and what it means what's your end of that uh when students when, especially the freshmen oh my gosh yeah, or, um, or second year students because they don't want to even talk yeah they or grieve um, even. I think that um, students inherently hate group projects no matter what. So anytime you yeah. use the word collaborative or group, they immediately get all freaked out, um, to which I say, if you're a designer, you are working collaboratively for the rest of your life, so you better get used to it because that's right. what it is. It is to work with a client, work with a, some – you know, there, there's a collaborative conversation no matter what. Secondly, if you're inside art and design school, you're working collaboratively 
because why else would you come to art and design school? Like the point, you can learn Photoshop for 10 bucks a month on Skillshare. You don't need college. Right. Um, and so the first thing I do is say, you better get over it because that's what we're doing here. Like you are working collaboratively. And, and you know, the reality is um, there are students with social anxiety. There are students with a lot of mental issues. There are students with health issues. There's some things. And you have to be sensitive to that and you can't dismiss it. But the context of an, ex- an institution is that collaboration. So that's the first thing I say is like, you better get used to it because that's what you're doing here. Like you have four years of this. You might not like it, but that's what we're doing. Like that's why you're in this room. Um, And then I think the critic, the criticism and critique is such a, like you said, it's such a skill. It isn't just, I think that sucks or that's cool. Or why didn't you make that blue? That isn't criticism. That is not a critical dialogue. Um, and so something I did, I made the website um, howtocrit.com, which was really more about just me putting my thoughts down so I didn't have to keep yep. remembering them. By the way, thank you for that. Oh, yeah. yeah thank my you. pleasure. I, I actually use that resource. So you can never delete yep. it. Oh, no, it's up. It's permanent. And it's free <laughs> and it's never like a money yeah. thing. Um, so I think what students, the thing that students need to understand, and that is that sounds so easy when you say it, but it's so difficult to really process, is like, if your work sucks, it doesn't mean you're a bad human being, right? If you made something right. bad, it doesn't mean you are an awful person. It means you made something bad. So a lot of people have this statement where it's like you are not in your work, like your work has nothing to do with you. I think that's bullshit. I think you are absolutely in your work regardless of whether you're working for Pentagram or for yourself. So right. I don't buy that at all. I think that's that's a very big fallacy. You are unquestionably in your work, but your value as a human being is not in your work. Your legitimacy as a person is not tied up in what typeface you chose. So you have to kind of push those things apart from each other and understand that, yeah, you're in the work, but if the work blows, it doesn't mean you should never talk to anybody again. <laughs> and you think yeah. that seems like no shit, right? But students have a very hard time processing that that border. Um, sure, so that's kind of the first sure. thing I talk about is really making them understand that like you, like you have to allow for that that conversation about the work because yeah. what you don't want, the thing that I, and, and somebody said this and I, and I always, I wish I could remember where I heard this cause it isn't my idea. So whoever said this, I apologize for not knowing your name. Um, but basically it's about being kind, not being nice. And I think that oh, was a very yeah, important distinction. Yeah. So nice is when you say, Oh, you work so hard on that. Wow, it looks like you did it all. That's cool. Yeah, sure. That's nice, a.k.a. it's bullshit. What that is about is making me, the person giving the critique, feel better about not liking your stuff. That's what nice is. Kind is when you're like, I appreciate what you did. It's not working. I don't like this. I don't like this. Here's why this doesn't work. I don't understand this. Kindness is about truth and honesty. Mm-hmm. Right, and that right. nice, kind difference is is an incredibly important line. Very, very important. And you have to walk into the room being receptive to kindness. Correct. Right. If all you want right. is niceness, then you're just not going to get anything out of it unless people tell you how awesome you are. And, exactly. and that's an yeah. ego thing. And that's problematic. You know, right. um, I, yeah. I think it's important too when I, you know, I'm going to use that because I've not used that particular oh, yeah. uh, way to look at it, but I'm definitely going to use that in another thing I kind of add into it. Um, a lot of times with, with one of the entry projects I bring up, um, there's a drawing aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And I get 80% of the students that are like, I can't draw. Right. Now, there's a whole other conversation amongst designers and creatives that you have to be able to draw to be a designer. I think that's a little yeah, crap I, myself. <laughs> um, but I talk to students you know, about that moment. I'm like, sure, you could have, you could have a, a perfect... Um, like Da Vinci style rendering, you know, of something and have that level, but you could also have the level of a stick figure drawing. I take the the three primary shapes, a circle, a square, and a triangle, and I stack them on top of each other, circle, triangle, and a square. Yep. And I'm like, what is it? And everyone's like, oh, it's a little girl in a dress, <laughs> right? I'm yep. like, do I know how to draw? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. I, I communicated. <laughs> So, so breaking that barrier of what it is they're looking at in, I talk to them, it's about the communication. Mm-hmm. If you look at Ed Fella's work, uh, if you look at uh, James Victoria's work, um, they have a, a style and aesthetic. 
And that's right. really what I try to get them to understand is their hand moves in a special way that nobody else moves, right? Exactly. And they create in that very special way. So for them to kind of start to recognize their process, right, and recognize their methodology that makes that thing, once they find that, they can embrace that, mm-hmm. and then they become their 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 own creative, you know, to, to use the words we're using on the podcast. Right, and that's what we're teaching. That yeah. is, I think, you can boil it down to a lot of different things, but I think maybe the biggest thing we are teaching students is to be themselves, not to be Definitely. another Mitch. Like, I don't want another Mitch. Like, one Mitch is more than enough Mitch for the planet. Like, we don't need more Mitches. <laughs> so I don't want them to be do it how I do it. I want them to do it how they do it. And right. I think that starts the first second they walk into the room on, you know, first yeah. day of class is freshman year. And that, and I totally agree with what you're saying. That is what we are, what I'm hoping to get my students to be is more them. Yeah. Which is interesting because it was in my, the beginning of my senior year during my BFA. And mm-hmm. if anyone wants to dig and find out where my BFA was from, um, there was a very specific style that you need to do it this way. This is design. And all of a sudden I was like, well, wait a minute. There's that and this and that and this. I could do this well. I can do that really well. And I can do really good, get really good grades because I'm giving you what you want. I said, but man, look at all of this scope out there. And I was kind of disappointed that it was in my senior year that I realized that I needed to find me, you know, and find my designer, my inner designer. Uh, and eventually I, I, you know, did that and you embraced did. it yeah. and love it, you know, but, um, yeah, I don't want my students to have, to feel like we're just reproducing, you know, what's already kind of happened yeah. out there. I don't want to teach my students a dogma. Like I don't want to teach them an acceptable understanding of what their practice is. I have no desire to do that. I think that is toxic. I think it's dangerous actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very easy to teach to that. I think it's just yeah. simpler to be an educator and teach to a specific doctrine of what design is. Um, I don't do that. Now, I have to be honest, not every student likes that. <laughs> and I get a fair amount of this class was bullshit. I don't understand how this guy has a job teaching. Like, I really do get reviews like that. Interesting. I um, can understand that knowing, yeah. knowing RIT, knowing me, right? Yeah. 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 And knowing the program. Yeah. And knowing the program, right? But I also get students who are like, I didn't really get your class. But then when I graduated, I realized I was using it the whole time. And that's when Wonderful. I get like, teary-eyed, right? Um, and, and I agree with exactly what you're saying. I just think it's like people who just sort of hop on trends and just sort of do the trends. It's pre-thought. Yeah. It, it's pre-done. You're just plugging into a template, essentially. Again, if it feeds your family, that is fu- I don't want to dismiss the reality of that. That is fine. It's just right. not my concern. Right. It's just not right. where I'm at as an educator. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's tough. And I think when students, you know, I get a lot of people online asking me about maybe grad school or where to go to college and this and that. And I'm like, look, I know what I like, but that's only good for me. You've got to go. Yeah. You've got to go visit. Yeah. You've got to go see what it's like. You've got to get the flavor. Everybody's yeah. potato chip, lots of different flavors of potato chips. And you've right. got to just right. taste the one that feels good to you. And, and you really have to be aware of what each of those, what are, who, who are the faculty that you're going right. to have? What are the passions of those faculties? What are they creating? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause if you, if you look at something that they're creating and you go, uh, what? Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm not getting it. Then maybe it's not the right match. But if you look exactly. at something and you're like, wow, that's so cool. So unique. I never seen anything like that. That might be somewhere that you might mm-hmm. want to put your interest and stuff. But, but, I think you should also have teachers you don't like. Oh, I think it. you should have teachers yeah. and classes that piss you off. I, I actually think that's really valuable for mm-hmm. many different reasons, but not the least of which is understanding there's a broader context than you understand to pretty much everything on the planet. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't like go to a school you hate to do that <laughs> or, or, yeah. you know, yeah. if you go to school with three faculty and you hate all three of them, maybe that's not a good move, but I have taken classes in grad and undergrad. And I was like, this class is just stupid. Like this is a dumb class, but it wasn't dumb. I just didn't react to it positively, but I still got something. Yeah. And I think that's super important. And, and, you know, again, it seems like such a no shit thing to sort of say out loud, but when you're in it and you're looking at your classes for next semester and you realize that this faculty is going to teach at a time you can take, but you really don't like them. And so you take someone else because it's easier. A. Yeah. 
you're not doing yourself justice. I mean, yeah. you're really doing yourself a favor, you know? Yeah. yeah. Maybe you'll have like a more, you'll grin more often, but you know, yeah. there's something to be said for that yeah. other stuff. Yeah. I don't think yeah. you're really expanding. So that's what, I mean, my colleague and I, uh, there's just the two of us who are a small program here. Um, and I'm so thankful. I know I'm so lucky to be in a small program. You know, yeah. our, our students are, and there's between 12 and 16 per class, mm-hmm. you know? So nice. we're like score. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're similar. We talk about the same methodology, the same process, but if you look at our outcomes it, it, and if you look at some of the ways through it, we're so different, yeah. but you know, he and I kind of have this conversation so often about like how great, how great that we can have our students you know, like have those two experiences and not. Yeah. I think, um, c- cater it. And again, I love where I teach. I love my job. It's amazing. I'm delighted to be here. It's great. Um, it's I have been to program. a number of, yeah, the RIT program yeah. is phenomenal. Um, I have been to quite, I've gotten very fortunate to be asked to travel, which is, you know, amazing. People care what I think. Um, and I've been to a number of schools with really small programs. And I got to tell you, there is something magical, magical about a small program. Yeah. Um, I don't want to single anybody out specifically, but 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 I'm, I'm friends with Jason and Megan who teach at um, SUNY Fredonia. We've known mm-hmm. each other since grad school. Yeah. And I was up there for a workshop and, and man, it was, it was really cool. They are really shaping that program. And there's, you know, yeah. some other faculty floating around, but they get to really shape it. And I imagine it's the same where you are. It's, it's this really wonderful sort of ownership and, and, right. and you are right. in it in, yeah. in a really deep way. That's really awesome. Yeah. And I thought yeah. I wanted to be part of the big program for the longest time because before here I was teaching right. at Purdue and, uh, you know, I was like, wow, I'm a Purdue faculty, yeah. you know, and, and that was that was nice. But there there was some dynamics that were very difficult. So, yeah, being down here yep. in a small program, uh, I'm, I'm really uh, beside myself, really enjoying it. Yeah. Hey, we're going to get ready to wrap things up here. And usually yep. what I do at the end of those is kind of ask for a message. So if, if you had one thing to talk about to um, educators and or students, because I have both that listen to the podcast. I even have professionals that listen to the podcast. Yeah. Let, let's leave with a, a Mitch Goldstein words of wisdom. Um, there is no right way to do any of this. Period. There is no right way. There's yeah. ways that maybe work for some people. There's ways that don't work. There's things that are good, things that are, but there is no correct answer to any of this. Um, I believe personally that there are no facts in art and design. Maybe there's history, but you know what I'm saying? There's no like factual realities. It's all an interpretive opinion. Everything is wiggly. Everything is gray. Um, That might super piss people off. (laughs) You know, I get that. Um, But I think when when teachers are telling you this is how it's done, I have a real problem with that. I'm not saying they're not knowing what they're talking about, but I think making it as doctrine I get very anxious about that. I, and I really yeah. am very careful to never say right or wrong, yes or no. I don't really do that. Possibly to a detriment sometimes. But but so so what I would say is like, get off this idea that there's a correct answer somewhere. Like mm-hmm. everything else is wrong and then this is right. I, I just don't buy that reality at all. So that's right. a nice ambiguous Mitch thing to, to end <laughs> with, right? No, no I, I think that works really well. And yeah. I... I agree. I agree. Uh, even when I'm uh, teaching type, I say, okay, this is the right way to put type in a paragraph and so on and so forth. Kerning, tracking, hyphenation, right. rag, blah, 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 you know, line spacing, descenders, ascenders, spacing between those in the line below, blah, 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 right? Yeah. So I get that information out and they do a great project and I say, okay, now forget everything I told you. Yeah. Right. And they're like, what? I go, just blow it up. It doesn't yeah. matter. No, <laughs> it's, it's all trash. Now we're going to just do something. So exactly. I, I believe you're spot on. I believe you're yeah. spot on. You Thank know, you. There, there's no, there's no correct. Mm-hmm. There's no directive. It, and that's know. why you're a great teacher, Pete, because you're not, you're in it like for the curiosity. I mean, you want to make a living, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously, but like, but like, yeah. it's interesting. It isn't like, yeah. oh shit, I got to go teach. It's like, I get to go teach. Not every day. Yeah. Some days I'm yeah. like, oh shit, you know, but like, but like, Always. it's an interesting thing to do with your time and you're curious. And that's why you and I are friends because well, of that I, curiosity. 
Yeah, so. I would. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. I really do. And um, if if those of you that are listening or watching the podcast and you love Mitch's wisdom, <laughs> and if you're not already following him on Twitter, <laughs> jump over to Twitter and um, just kind of follow along in the Mitchology. Yeah, That's what we'll call the it. Mitchisms. Yeah. <laughs> the Mitchisms. It's a wonderful thing. Where can they find you on social media, Mitch? Um, I'm M Goldst, M-G-O-L-D-S-T on Instagram and Twitter. Um, okay. that's pretty much it. That's all the social I'm really doing these days. So I, I, I agree. Feel yep. free to say hi. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Everybody get out there and uh give Mitch some stress. <laughs> give me some right? stress. Give me some yeah. attitude. Yeah, yeah, he'll give it right back and it's perfect. I'll give it right back. <laughs> you got it. All right, Mitch, thanks for joining us on the podcast again. Right, um, you know, and my mission is always creating success in design education. So I I I hope to keep that rolling. Appreciate it very yeah. much. Thank All you right. very much for having me, man. It was great to see you. Always. See you again okay. soon then. Absolutely. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. The Design Dedux podcast can be found at designdedux.com. That's D-E-S-I-G-N-D-E-D-U-X.com, where you can listen to the podcast or watch the video version of the podcast, as well as find links to the guests and the topics discussed during each episode. The Design Dedux podcast can be found on most podcast listening platforms. You can join us on social media through Instagram and Twitter via at design underscore dedux on Facebook as Design Dedux Podcast and join us on YouTube at Design Dedux for video versions of each episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, you can show your support on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash design underscore dedux. Once again, thanks for joining us and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode.